Morning, church. Man, so glad. Man, isn't it exciting to be back here together as a family of God? What an exciting day it is. Thank you for joining us online. For those of you that are gathered in your living room or maybe around your kitchen table, we're so glad that you're here with us today. Uh, big shout out to Jesus Christ for taking care of us during this uh, time of, of concern. Uh, and we know because of the power of God, we will get through this, will we not? Uh, he does great and mighty things as we continue to discover in his word. And I know that we've lifted our voices up together this morning in praising Jesus Christ for all he's done for us. Uh, we have gathered around the Lord's table to be reminded of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But we also celebrate that empty tomb in the moment as well. And we know because he's risen from the grave, we will as well. And we have life and life in the abundant because of Jesus Christ. And in just a moment, we'll dig into the Word of God. I hope you've got your Bibles with you this morning. We're going to be in Habakkuk chapter 3. That's always fun to say, the word Habakkuk, kind of hard to say. But uh, joining us at home as well, I hope you'll grab your Bibles and be right there with us in chapter 3 of Habakkuk. You know, uh, as I thought about this series and the title Glow, I was reminded that 20 years in youth ministry, a summer camp or at retreat moments, special moments where we have built a bonfire late at night. Typically, those events happen in the middle of the woods or at a campground somewhere uh, where it is dark. And as you build that fire, you look into the embers, you can hear the strange noise, a little bit of chaos, but as long as you're safe, especially you feel a little bit safer. Uh, but we're gathered around for us, typically around those moments, the student body gathered around, uh, our volunteers gathered around. Uh, and as we think about Jesus Christ, I'm reminded as we are looking at that fire that we are people of God who in Hebrews 12 are commanded to fix our eyes on Jesus. And that no matter what is going on around us, the chaos that might exist, the noises in the night, the darkness that might exist around us, that you and I are called to focus and fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the perfecter of our faith. He's the giver of life. And I don't know about you, but I want the life that he's got to give to me, don't you? I mean, he has so much to offer. We have so much in Jesus Christ. And so as we think about this idea of glow, it's a reminder that even in the chaos of our current situation, uh, that we look to Jesus for leadership, for strength, for power, for comfort, for peace. You know, the good news is this morning is that we are no longer in chapter 1 and chapter 2. If you have been following us, uh, those two chapters did not have a sitcom sermon feeling. In other words, we didn't wrap everything up real pretty at the very end. Uh, there is some things going on in Habakkuk's life and the life of Jerusalem and Judah uh, that it doesn't look good on the horizon. And we don't like those kind of stories. Uh, but we're going to transition a little bit today into chapter 3, the final chapter of Habakkuk, and discover the power of God in the process. Now, if you remember, Habakkuk uh, lives about 600 years before Jesus is on the earth. He lives in Jerusalem and in the Judah area, and he's uh, proclaiming the Word of God, but he does it a little differently than most of the prophets. So most prophets listen to the voice of God and then translate that to the people. Habakkuk really is listening to the story of the people and the story that he is involved in, and he's translating that to God, and he's got some questions for God in the process. And so he's going through this idea of wrestling and embracing God. He doesn't want to let go of God, but he's got some questions about the person that he believes is his uh, God, is his leader, is his person that will take care of him. And so as we take a look at the book of Habakkuk, we realize that you and I are asking the same kinds of questions 
that Habakkuk was asking some 2,600 years ago. Questions like, why doesn't God seem fair? When we look at all the chaos around us, we begin to ask that kind of question. When we see the, how the world is unfolding around us, where is God in this story? Where is God in my story? Because if you're anything like me, you're looking around at the chaos in the world, at, at COVID-19 that has just taken the world by storm. And we right here in America, we're over at 100,000 deaths because of the virus. People have lost their jobs. Their, we have abused uh, political power, positions of authority. And we wonder, where is God in that picture? We look at the racial tension that currently exists in our nation and has for decades. We look at all the different news segments that are covering this every night. And we wonder, where is God in this picture? We look on the continent of Africa at children who are dying every day just because they don't have enough to eat. And we wonder, where is God in that mix? No doubt, each of us have been touched in some way by cancer. And we lose friends and loved ones along the way, or maybe you're battling it right now and you're wondering, where is God in my story? Maybe you're working through some chronic illness. Maybe you're currently battling depression. You're wondering, when will this ever go away? Where is God in my story? And what we discovered last week was this idea that when it's not God's time, you can't make it happen. When it is God's time, He will make it happen. We know that God is a part of all of our stories. And so we wait patiently in the wings for Him to come to our rescue, to be our Savior in the moment. But we've got some questions we discovered in chapter 1 that it's all about the wondering. We're asking God and we're wondering where he is in our story. Chapter 2 is all about the waiting patiently as his story unfolds and as we live through that story and see his greatness, his kindness to us through the chaos. But there seems to be a change in chapter 3. Chapter 1 and chapter 2, there's some angst, there's some agony as, as Habakkuk calls out the story as he's living through that. There's some disappointment. God, where are you in this moment? We need you desperately. And maybe this morning you feel the same way in your story. You feel disappointment because your hoped for story doesn't seem to be on the horizon. What you had hoped would happen doesn't seem to be coming to fruition. But we, even so, in our story, we join Habakkuk at the very end of chapter 2 and verse 20, where he says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Even in the chaos, Habakkuk recognizes the goodness, the might, and the power of the one universal God. It sounds a little bit like the psalmist as he writes in Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. That no matter what's going on around us, the darkness, the chaos, the noise, that God is still on his throne. And chapter 3 suggests a little reset. Now, if you take a look at verse 1 of chapter 3, we might read right over that particular verse. Uh, It says different things in different uh, translations, but mine says, this prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. So, Habakkuk is about to pray to God, but he's going to do it through song. Now, your particular version might say on Shiganoff. Shiganoff is a Hebrew word, and uh, it's fun to say, even though it kind of sounds like a cuss word, it's not a cuss word. Um, Say it with me this morning, Shiganoff. 
Now say it one more time. Shiganoth. Yeah, that, yeah, that sounds good, doesn't it? You say that good. But Shiganoth really directs us on how to sing. Here's the definition. To sing with strong emotion, wild passion, and high-spirited praise. So Habakkuk is going to sing this prayer, but he's going to do it with attitude. It's praise worship with exclamation points, if you will. Remember, Habakkuk is going to sing this prayer before he sees God's provision and what he hopes for. And sometimes the most passionate, the most authentic type of faith and worship is praise that's given before the provision is seen. Sometimes that's the most authentic. It's just based on sheer faith in who you know God to be. It's praise about the who, not the what. Take a look at verse 2. He begins his prayer. I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works in this time of our deep need. Help us again as you did in years gone by and in your anger. Remember your mercy. In other words, Habakkuk is saying, God, repeat what I know that you have done in the past. I want you to do again what I've heard about you in stories of the past. I want you to show us the kind of God that you truly are. And what do we do when we get in moments of crisis in our own life? What happens when we have difficult happenings in our own life? Because if you haven't had it yet as a follower of Christ, it will happen to you at some point. Last week, we talked about a crisis of belief. And you and I, at some point, made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. For many of you, if you grew up in church at all, it probably happened at a summer camp, a very highly emotional moment where maybe you were baptized at camp and with your friends that night as you slept in your bunks, you shouted out at the top of your lungs, come on, Satan, I got you today. You just had power. You were ready to go. Nothing could stop you. You were on a mountaintop experience. I don't know when that happened for you, but my guess would be the day that you said yes to Jesus, the day you were baptized into his name, you felt like that. It was a mountaintop experience. Your sin was gone. Your guilt was gone. And you were moving forward in a brand new life. But if it hasn't happened yet, it will. There will be a moment where you have a crisis of belief. That's where you question your faith. That's where you ask God in the process, God, are you really who you say you are? I believe who you are. I believe in your goodness, and I'm waiting to see it in my life, in my story, in the people that surround me. And we learned that in that moment, we wrestle and we embrace. We wrestle with God with questions, with answers to our questions, but we also don't let go of the hand of God, just like Habakkuk. We walk through the valley with him. Because I love the mountaintop experience. I know you do too. But you know, the valley is where you grow. That's where we really discover the goodness of God in the valley. Nothing really grows above the 12,000 foot mark on, on any mountain. But down in the valley, that's where the water is. That's where the trees are. That's where the foliage is, the animals live. That's where we really grow. And so if you can hang on to the hand of God during your crisis of belief... What we find out happens is that faith is then turned and you have another mountaintop experience and your faith is even stronger than it was ever before. And that's where we find Habakkuk in our story. You see, we are going to remember who God is and embrace the faithfulness of God in our story, no matter the noise going on around us. 
Take a look at verse 3. He goes on to say, I see God moving across the deserts from Edom and the Holy One coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens and the earth is filled with his praise. Now you may, may be asking, what are these two towns, what do these two places have to do with the prayer of Habakkuk? Well, see, these two places were places that God took the Israelites to when they were freed from bondage in Egypt. When God pulled them out of Egypt and were leading them to the promised land, these were two locations that God led them to. And so Habakkuk is saying, listen, I remember in our story when there never seemed to be a way out. I remember your goodness to us when when you chained to let us go. I, I remember what you did as we got our backs up against the Red Sea and the army was coming toward us and you opened up the Red Sea. I remember the story of you allowing us to come through on dry ground to get to the other side. I remember you allowing that army of Pharaoh to come into the Red Sea and you closed the water around them and we had nothing to fear. I remember you leading us toward the land that you had promised Abraham so many years ago. I remember crossing the Jordan so that we could cross into the land of Canaan. I remember marching around the city walls and the walls falling down. God, I remember your goodness and faithfulness to us when we thought there was not going to be a way. And he continues in his praise in verse four. His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flash from his hands where his awesome power is hidden. Pestilence marches before him. Plague follows close behind. When he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nations tremble. He shatters the everlasting mountains and levels the eternal hills. He, a church circle highlight because it's important. It's transformative. It's the recognition and the verbal recognition saying that, God, we know you are the eternal God. We trust in you. We have faith in your goodness. And Habakkuk says, I remember, God, how incredible you are. He continues to pour out to God in verses 7 through 15. I mean, he could have gone on to say, look, I remember when we were hungry and you gave us manna and quail. I I remember you allowing water to come out of the rock to make sure that our thirst was quenched. See, church, sometimes when you're in the valley, you just need to remember how incredible our God truly is. You see, I remember having parents who wanted me to know the story of God. I remember as a young boy, them telling me the stories, us memorizing scripture, us coming to church all the time. I remember them laying that foundation within me to be the person I am today. But I also remember leaving that faith, that trust in Jesus, and that my sin caught up with me when I was at Harding University and me coming back to Jesus in the moment. I remember the grace of God in that moment. I remember how important Psalm 103 was to me in the moment where God says, as far as the east is from the west, I will throw your sin and your guilt away from you. Thank God we have a God of mercy and grace. And now I get to be a part of God's promise, his process, his story get to interact and all that, but I also remember God bringing me an incredibly godly woman to journey and walk with me. I remember that God has given me two incredible young boys who are now grown men. 
I remember all the different mission trips that I got to go on around the world to speak the story of Jesus into different languages. I remember the years in ministry with the local church. I have been so blessed beyond measure. But you see, we all remember, and when we do, then we embrace and believe that God is still good. When we remember what he's done for us, no matter the darkness and the chaos around us. Think about Habakkuk's world for just a moment. He believes that the Babylonians are winning, and they are winning. But he's embraced a situation. He's declared, even though this negative thing is happening in front of my eyes, I know that God is still on his throne. He's not just pretending that truth doesn't exist, but he's looking bad news square in the face and declaring, I still trust God. And in our story, it's no different. Whatever's going on around you in your particular story, I know because you believe in the goodness and the faithfulness of God that you too can look whatever that is in the face and say, I still trust God. Because if chapter one is about the wondering where God is, Chapter two is about waiting on him patiently in your story. Then chapter three is about the mighty power. We take a look at verse Habakkuk says, I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. And even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, he is describing the desolation around him, the picture that he has. He's scared. He's not excited. And in your life, you might say, even though I've been praying of my own, even though I've been praying, And the depression still hangs on. Even though I've been praying and I haven't found the job yet that's going to put food on the table for my family. Even though I've been praying and the cancer still lingers, I haven't got a clear report yet. Even though I continue to pray and my marriage is not made whole yet again. Even though I keep praying for my adult children to come back to God, I haven't seen that happen yet. We join with Habakkuk in verse 18 no matter the darkness around us, where he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. And we celebrate God in our life, no matter the noise going on around us. I mean, what a powerful message that Habakkuk has to deliver to us today. Even though he doesn't see God moving in his story, he's wrestling and he's embracing. He's not letting go. It's a not, not a half-hearted thing for, for Habakkuk to do. It's faith, faith that worships when things don't seem to be right. It's praise for the who and not the what. And each and every one of you are going to have moments and you're just going to need to hang on to the hand of God as you wrestle with what's happening around you. When our oldest son, Tanner, was between one and two years old, he got uh, diagnosed with metatarsus abductus. And that basically means your, your feet and your ankles kind of turn in. And the doctor prescribed, he said, the way we're going to fix that is we're going to put hard cast on both of his legs. So we did that. 
He learned to walk on those and run on those, and Mom and I were still trying to get him in, even with those casts on. I mean, he was just getting away from us. But there came a day when finally the cast would come off. And the doctor said, listen, I've got a saw here. We're in the office, obviously. I've got a saw here. It's, gonna, it's electric. It's going to make a lot of noise. It won't cut his skin, but it will cut the cast. And he's going to be really scared. You're going to have to hold him, Dad, in the chair. So I sat down in the chair and I wrapped up my son. The saw came on and the tears and the screaming began. And he began looking at me and he was saying, no, Daddy, no, Daddy. Help me, Daddy. He was scared to death, and he didn't realize that this had to happen in order for him to be able to walk and run again. And the whole time he was hanging on to me, and I was hanging on to him, telling him in his ear, I love you so very much. It's going to be okay. And in your story, God is doing the same thing. He's asking you to hang on to him, to ask the questions, but to know that he's never going to leave you. He's going to continually walk with you. You see, chapter one is is don't walk away from God in the wondering. Chapter two is don't quit on God in the waiting. Now, Habakkuk doesn't resolve everything in a nice little bow because we know history. It's not going to be good. It's just going to get worse. There are no grapes. There are no... Only difficulty is coming, but Habakkuk can still say, my God is on his throne. My God is good. He's awesome. He's incredible and he's worthy of praise. And we can join Habakkuk in verse 19 at the very end of our story where he says, The sovereign God is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer able to tread upon the heights. I mean, what does God do for us when we wrestle and embrace, when we don't let go of him in our moment of crisis? He makes it an intimate moment again. He allows us the strength and the power to climb to the mountaintop again. He makes us as sure-footed as the deer to get back to the place where we want to be with God and those around us. He enables us to journey through on the story. And what I realize in this story and in my own life is that I enjoy God on the mountaintop. There's no question about that. I enjoy God on the mountaintop, but I get to know God in the valley. I really get to know my God when I'm in the valley. And the thing is, church, you can't have the power of chapter three without the wondering of chapter one and the waiting of chapter two. And I don't know about you, but I want the power of God in my life. I want to be a part of his story. I want to celebrate who he is. So don't let go. Wherever you are right now in your story, don't let go. No, even right now today. So may the peace that passes all understanding always by your side. Because of that, you will experience his power. Just for you, he loves you more than life itself. He sent his own because I want to live with you forever. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Know the love of God in your life. May you know that he's never left you. May you hang on to his hand. No matter the noise in your life, may you celebrate him in all possible ways. So let's stand right now and celebrate him in song.